Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Chapter 8 The Potions Monster. Here, look. Where? Next to the tall kid with the red hair. Wearing the glasses? Did you see his face? Did you see his scar? Whispers followed Harry from the moment he left his dormitory the next day. People lining up outside classrooms stood on tiptoe to get a look at him, or doubled back to pass him in the corridors again, staring. Harry wished they wouldn't, because he was trying to concentrate on finding his way to classes. There were 142 staircases in Hogwarts, a wide sweeping ones, narrow rickety ones, some that led somewhere else on somewhere different on a Friday, some with a vanishing step halfway that you had to remember to jump. Then there were doors that wouldn't open unless you asked politely or tickled them in exactly the right place, and doors that weren't really doors at all, but solid walls just pretending. It was also very hard to remember where anything was because it all seemed to move around a lot. The people in the portraits kept going to visit each other, and Harry was sure the coats of armor could walk. The ghost didn't help either. There was always a nasty shock when one of them glided suddenly through a door you were trying to open. Nearly that headless Nick was always happy to point new gr- Gryffindors in the right direction. But Peels the Poltergeist was worth two locked doors and trick sa- and trick staircases if you met him when you were late for class. He would drop waste paper baskets on your head, pull rungs under your feet, pelt you with bits of chalk, or sneak up behind you invisible, grab your nose, and screech, Got your conk! Even worse than thieves, if it was possible, was the caretaker's, was the caretaker Argus Filch. Harry and Wrong managed to get on the wrong side of him on the very fir- on their very first day, on their very first morning. Filch found them trying to force their way to a door that turned out to be the entrance of the out-of-bounds corridor on the third floor. He wouldn't believe they were lost and was sure they were trying to break into it on purpose and was threatening to lock them in the dungeons when they were, prof- when they were rescued by Professor Quirrell, who was passing. Filch owned a cat called Mrs. Norris, a scrawny, dust-colored creature with bulging lamp-like eyes just like Filch. He patrolled the corridors alone, break a rule in front of him, just put a one-two out of line, and she'd whisk off for Filch, who'd appear, wheezing two seconds later. Filch knew the secret passages, passageways of the school better than anyone, except perhaps the Weasley twins, who could pop up as suddenly as any of the ghosts. The students all hated him, and it was the dearest ambition of many to give Miss Norris a good kick. Then, once you had managed to find them, there were the classes themselves. There was a lot of magic to learn. We found out later. Not just quickly waving your wand and saying a few funny words. They had to study night skies through their telescopes every Wednesday at midnight and learn the names of different stars and the movements of the planets. Three times a week, they went out to the greenhouses behind this castle to study herbology with a dumb little witch called Professor Sprout where they learned how to take care of all the strange plants and fungi and found out what they were used for. Easily, the most boring class was History of Magic. 
which was the only one taught by a coast. Professor Binns had been very old indeed when he'd fallen asleep in front of the scarf room fire and got up the next morning to teach, leaving his body behind him. Brins droned on and groaned on while they scribbled down names and dates. They and got Emmerich the Evil and Eurek the Oddball mixed up. Professor Flitwick, the charms teacher, was a tiny little wizard who had to stand on a pile of books to see over his de- desk. At the start of their first class, he took the roll call, and when he reached Harry's name, he gave an excited squeal and toppled out of sight. Miss Professor McGonagall was again different. Harry had been quite right to think she wasn't a teacher to cross. Strict and clever, she gave them a talking to the moment they sat down first in her class. Transfiguration is one of the most complex and dangerous magics you will learn at Hogwarts, she says. Anyone messing around in my class will leave and not come back. You've been warned. She changed her desk into a pig and back again. They were all very impressed and couldn't wait to get started, but soon they realized they weren't going to be changing furniture into animals for a long time. They were taking a lot of complicated notes and giving each and were given a match and started trying to turn it into a needle. By the end of the lesson, only Hermione Granger had made any difference to her match. Professor McGonagall showed the class how it had gone all silver and pointy and gave Hermione a rare smile. The, the class everyone had really looking forward to was defense against dark arts, but Quirrell's lessons turned out to be a bit of a joke. His classroom smelled strongly of garlic, which everyone said was to ward off the vampires he'd met in Romania and was afraid would be coming back to get him one of these days. His turban, he told him, had been given to him by an African prince as a thank you of of getting rid of a troublesome zombie. But they weren't sure they believed his story. For one thing, when Seaman Spiegel Finnegan asked eagerly how... When Professor Quirrell had fought off the zombie, Quirrell went pink and started talking about wither. For another, they had noticed a funny smell hung around the turban, and the really prince insisted it was stuffed full of garlic as well, so that Quirrell was protected wherever he went. Harry was very relieved to find that he wasn't miles behind anyone else. Lots of people had come from muggle families like him, hadn't had any idea that they were witches and wizards. There was so much to learn that even people like Ron didn't have much of a head start. Friday was an important day for Harry and Ron. They finally managed to find their way down the great hall for breakfast without getting lost once. What have you got what have you got today? Harry asked Ron as he poured sugar on the porridge. Double potions with Slytherins, said Ron. Snape's the head of Slytherin house. They say he always favors them. We'll be able to see if that's true. Wish M- Professor McGonagall favored us, said Harry. Professor McGonagall was the head of Gryffindor House, but it hadn't stopped her from giving them a huge pile of homework the day before. Just then, the mail arrived. Harry had gotten used to this by now, but it had given him a bit of shock on the first morning when about a hundred owls had suddenly streamed into the great hall during breakfast circling the tables until they saw their owners. 
dropping letters and packages onto their laps. Hedvig hadn't bought, brought Harry anything so far. He sometimes flew in to nibble his ear and a bit of toast before going off to sleep in the owlery with the other school owls. This morning, however, he fluttered down between the marmalade and the sugar bowl and dropped a, nate, uh, dropped a note onto Harry's plate. Harry tore it open at once. It said, in a very untidy scrawl, Dear Harry, I know you get Friday afternoons off, so would you like to come and have a cup of tea with me around at three? I want to hear all about your first week. Send us an answer back with Hedwig. Hagrid! Harry borrowed Ron's quill, scribbled yes, please see you later on the back of the note, and sent Hagrid off again. It was lucky that Harry had tea with Hagrid to look forward to, because the potions lessons turned out to be the worst thing that had happened to him so far. As he started the term of banquet, Harry got him the idea that Snape disliked him. By the end of the first potion lesson, he knew he had been wrong. Snape didn't dislike Harry, he hated him. The potions lesson took place in down, one, down in one of the dungeons. It was colder here than up in the main castle, and it would have been quite creepy enough that the pickled animals were floating in jars all around the walls. Snape, like Flitwick, started the class by taking a roll call, and like Flitwick, he paused at Harry's name. Ah, yes, he said softly. Harry Potter, our new celebrity. Draco Malfoy and his friends, Crab and Goral, sniggered behind their hands. Snape finished calling their names and looked up at the class. His eyes were black like Hagrid's, but they had none of Hagrid's warmth. They were cold and empty and made you think of dark tunnels. You are here to learn the subtle science and exact art of potion-making, he began. He spoke in barely more than a whisper, but he caught every word. Like Professor McGonagall, Snape had the gift of keeping a class silent without effort. And there is a little foolish wand waving here, and many of you will hardly believe this is magic. I don't expect you'll understand the beauty of a soft, simmering cauldron with its, with its shivering fumes, the delicate power of liquids that creep through human veins, bewitching the mind and searing the senses. I can teach you how to bottle fame, brew glory, even scupper death. If you aren't as big as a... Bu- a bunch of genderheads, as I usually have to teach. More silence followed this little speech. Harry and Ron exchanged looks with raised eyebrows. Hermione Granger was on the edge of her seat and looked desperate to start proving that she wasn't a genderhead. Potter, said Snape suddenly. What would I get if you added powdered root of asphodel into an infusion of wormwood? Powdered root? Of what? To an infusion of what? Harry glanced at Ron, who looked as stumped as it was. Hermione's hand shut into the air. I don't know, sir, said Harry. Snape's lips curled into a sneer. Tut, tut, fame is clearly isn't any of everything. He ignored Hermione's hand. Let's try again, Potter. Where would you look if I asked you? To find me a bezoar. Hermione's hand stretches high into the air as it would go without her leaving the seat. But Harry didn't have the faintest idea what a bezoar was. 
He tried not to look at Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle, who were shaking with laughter. I don't know, sir. Don't even opening a don't even open a book before coming, eh, Potter? Harry forced himself to keep looking into those cold eyes. He had looked through his books at the Dursleys, but did Snape expect him to remember everything in one thousand magical herbs and fungi? Snape was still ignoring Hermione's quivering hands. What is the difference, Potter, between Monkshood and Wolfsbane? At this, Hermione stood up, her hands stretching toward the dungeon, toward the dungeon ceiling. I don't know," said Harry quietly. "But I think Hermione does, though. Why not you try her?" A few people laughed. Harry caught Seamus's eye, and Seamus winked. Snape, however, was not pleased. "Sit down," he snapped at Hermione. "For your information, Potter, Asphodel and Wormwood make a sleeping potion so powerful, known as." The draught of living death. A bezoar is a stone taken from the stomach of a goat, and it will save you from most poisons. As for monkshood and wolfsbane, they are the same plant, which also goes by the name of aconite. Well, why aren't you copying all that down? There was a sudden rummaging for quills and parchment. Over the noise, Snape said, and one point will be taken from Gryffindor House for your cheek, Potter. Things didn't improve for Gryffindors as potion lessons com- continued. Snape put them all into pairs and set them to mixing a simple potion to cure boils. He swept around in his long black cloak, watching them weigh dry nettles, crush snake fangs, criticizing everyone, almost everyone, except Malfoy, who he seemed to like. He was just telling one- everyone to look at the perfect way Malfoy had spewed his horned slug when a cloud of acid-green smoke and loud hissing filled the dungeon. Neville had somehow managed to melt Seamus's cauldron into a twisted blob, and the potion was sleeping across the stone floor, burning holes in people's shoes. Within seconds, the whole class was standing on their stools, while Neville, who had been drenched in potion when the potion in the cauldron had collapsed, moaned in pain as angry red balls sprang up all over his arms and legs. Idiot boy, snarled Snape, clearing the spilled potion away with one wave of his arm. Wand, I suppose you added porcupine quills before taking the cauldron off the fire? Neville whimpered as the boils started to pop up all over his nails. Take him up to the hospital wing, Snape spat at Siemens. Then he rounded on Harry and Ron, who had been working next to Neville. You, Potter, why didn't you tell him not to add the quills? Thought he'd make you look good if he got it wrong, did you? That's another point you've lost for Grindr. It was so unfair that Harry moved his mouth to argue, but Ron kicked him behind their cauldron. Don't push it, he muttered. I've heard Snape can turn very nasty. As they climbed their steps out of the dungeon later, an hour later, Harry's mind was racing, and his spirits were low. He'd lost two points for Gryffindor in his very first week. Why did Snape hate him so much? Cheer up, said Ron. Snape's always taking points off Fred and George. Can I come meet Harry with you? At five to three, they left the castle and made their way across the grounds. Hagrid lived in a small wooden house 
on the edge of the forbidden forest. A crossbow and a pair of galoshes were outside the front door. When Harry knocked and heard a frantic scrabbling inside and several booming barks, then Hagrid's voice rang out saying, Back, bang, back! Harry's, Hagrid's big hairy face appeared in the crack as he pulled the door open. Hang on, he said. Back, bang! He let them in, struggling to keep hold on the collar of an enormous black boarhound. There was only one room inside. Hams and feedants were hanging, were hanging from the ceiling. A copper kettle was boiling on the open fire, and the corner of the massive bed with a patrol and a, the patchwork quilt over it. Make yourselves at home, said Hagrid, letting go of Frank, who bounded straight and ran and started licking his ears. Like Fang, like Hagrid, Fang was clearly not as fierce as he looked. This is Ron, Harry told Hagrid, who was pouring boiling water into the large teapot and putting rock cakes onto the plane. Another Weasley, eh? said Hagrid, glancing at Ron's freckles. I spent half my life chasing your twins away from the forest. The rock cakes were shapeless lumps with raisins that almost broke their teeth. The Harry and Ron pretended to be enjoying them as they told Hagrid all about their first lessons. Fang rested his head on Harry's knee and drooled all over his robes. Harry and Ron were delighted to hear Hagrid called Filch that old git. As for that cat, Mrs. Norris, I'd like to introduce her to Fang sometime. You know, every time I go up his stool, she's to up to the school, she follows me everywhere. Can't get rid of her. Filch put her up to it. Harry told Hagrid about Snape's lesson. Harry, like Ron, told Hagrid, Hagrid, like Ron, told Harry not to worry about it. That Snape hardly liked any of his students. That he seemed to really hate me. Rubbish. Why should he? Said Hagrid. Yet Harry couldn't help thinking that Hagrid hadn't quite met his eyes when he said that. How's your brother Charlie? Hagrid asked Ron. Asked him a lot great with animals. I liked him a lot great with animals. Harry wondered if Hagrid had changed the subject on purpose. While Ron told Hag Hagrid all about Charlie's work with dragons. Harry picked up a piece of paper that was lying on the table near the tea cozy. It was cutting it was a cutting from the Daily Prophet. Gringotts, break in latest. Investigations continue to break in at Gringotts on the thirty first July, widely believed to be to be a work of the dark witches or wizards unknown. Gringotts Goblin today insisted that nothing had been taken. The vault had been searched, in fact, and emptied the same day. But we're not telling you that what was in there, so keep your noses out if you know what's good for you said a Gringotts spokesgoblin this afternoon. Harry remembered Ron telling him on the train that someone had tried to rob Gringotts, but, Hag but Ron hadn't mentioned the date. Hagrid, said Harry, the Gringotts breaking happened on my birthday. It must have been happening while we were there. There was no doubt about it. Hagrid definitely didn't meet Harry's eyes at this. At this time, he grunted and offered him another rock cake. Harry read the story again. The vault that was searched had, in fact, been emptied earlier that same day. 
Hagrid had emptied Walt 713, if you could call it emptying, taking out a grubby little package. Had that been what the thieves had been looking for? As Harry and Ron walked back into the castle for dinner, their pockets weighed down with rock cakes they had been too polite to refuse. Harry thought that none of the lessons he had so far had given him much to think about the tea as with Hagrid. Had Hagrid collected that package just in time? Where was it now? Did Hagrid something know something about Snape that he didn't want to tell Harry?